For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com. Hello and welcome to Old World Unbroken. This is your host, Blake Law, and we are here to talk about the champions of the game of Old World. It's a new game. It's a new day. I'm very excited to talk about some Warhammer Fantasy, or as we would call it now, the Old World. Now, what is this show? It is a monthly show that is going to focus on the competitive play in Old World. We'll be bringing on the top players from around the world with one goal. We're going to break down why they won or why they lost a particular event, and we'll be going into the strategies on how they played their Pacific faction. Our goal is to discover what makes an elite wargamer tick, and hopefully we'll get to get in that same mindset. Now, for the first couple episodes, we're going to be talking about some test games and some faction rules and things like that, just because there's not really a lot of competitive scene yet for Old World. So, for instance, this episode, we're going to be talking about the very first game that me and my co-host here have sat down. We played in person, and we're going to kind of break down how we think the game's playing out and what we think is cool about the game. So, for those who don't know, I'm Blake Law. I come from the world of 40K. I'm an old fantasy player, and I'm excited to jump back into Old World and give it a go. My co-host today is a legend in the fantasy world. Some would say he is a old South Masters team champion. He's won several major events back in the old days of Warhammer Fantasy Warhammer Battles. I'm, of course, talking about my friend, Mr. Dan Lindley. Very much glad to be back in the Old World. Very glad to be back in the Old World, man. So... I, of course, am playing my faction, my true and true and near to dear my heart, what got me into wargaming to begin with, and that's, of course, Wood Elves. And I can't go anywhere without running a couple trees, a couple little trees, and, of course, the tiny trees. So I want, I want to start there. I want to start with what we did and kind of where we've, where we've been. So I, I started with some Wood Elves. Dan, of course, rolled in with um, some High Elves, which is very uncharacteristic of him. But, um, you know, it is what it is, as some would say. Dan, how did you feel about the High Elves? Man, I wanted to start off with something different. New game, new me. It's been a long time since I brought out the, uh, the Warriors of Chaos filth and the old dwarves from back in the day. But yeah, I'm a big fan of the High Elves, man. The elf-on-elf matchup that we had, there were some really tense moments in it. I agree, and I think we learned a lot on it because I went back to the drawing board, and after playing the game and kind of seeing how the rules interacted, there are just so many, so many gross things you can do with this game. Um I thought the game was pretty rules heavy. If I'm going to stay, my first thought on Old World is I thought, man, this game is really rules intensive. And um, there's just a ton of micro rules you kind of got to look through and rules build on rules. And it, it made it really tough from someone coming in from a different game to really get a good even flow for the first game or two. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I, I think that's one thing that we're going to keep on picking up. There's a bunch of erratas that have rolled out or FAQs. Hopefully there's no erratas in the near future. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I'm really curious about, if there's going to be uh, rolling out erratas like they did in 40K, or if it'll be a straight rulebook system. I'm willing to bet, and this is just pure speculation, I have no insight whatsoever, but I'm willing to bet that it's more of a rulebook and less um, less rapid-fire updates, more probably what you see with AOS. Because, you know, when you have um, 40K, 40K has the data slates every six months, and they kind of have this really hard set. Uh, AOS is kind of going that way, but I really don't think they're going to have the manpower to really churn out a lot of erratas and stuff for this game from the start. And just like anything, I mean, money's going to flow. 
and it's going to drive the game. So if this game ends up being successful, I think you'll end up seeing more attention given to rules writing, more attention given to updates and things like that. So I, I think what, what we got right now is probably a pretty set system. And I'm willing to also bet that they've already kind of made the books that are going to roll out and we're going to kind of see a schedule and a set, you know, okay, now works are coming out. Okay. Now we're going to see Warriors of chaos and they already have that made and they're already have this schedule made. And then once that rolls through, I think that's when we'll start seeing, okay, this game, this game took off. This game's popular. Now we're going to start seeing erratas and things like that. Yeah, man. I've noticed a few things that have started to, um, slip through the warp as far as leaks go, but who knows if those are actually very well founded. One thing I noticed over this weekend is they've actually paused a lot of um, shipments internationally because of the demand that the game's got. I think there's a couple things with that. One is that um, the distribution centers out of Memphis and they, you, you, we live in Arkansas. So we we're very, we're very well aware that we just got absolutely slammed by ice the last two weeks. So I think that, that just destroyed their plans to launch this game quickly. And two, the demand for this game was just overwhelmingly more than they thought, I think. Because, I mean, my my good buddy Adam Camilleri, he has his show out there right now. And uh, Scarry is doing his show. So you see all these big people that are really interested in seeing the rebirth of fantasy. I think that's getting people excited. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about a little bit about our game. So... I rolled in with some high elves. Dan, or I rolled in with some wood elves. Dan rolled in with some high elves. And... We kind of just, from my end, I kind of made a list that I thought, man, what do I think is cool? And what do I want to put on the table and kind of just experiment with? So I fell into what I think is going to end up being a classic pitfall for a lot of players. And that's, I put a ton, a ton, a ton of items on characters. Took a ton of characters, took a ton of items, went with the coolest things I could possibly run and just kitted out stuff. So I had a BSB. I had, uh, he was on foot. I gave him all the stuff to, to shoot. I, get, I took one of the Way, Way Watcher characters who had all the shenanigans where he can shoot, and when he hits you, he does more wounds and um, all that. So he had that. I had the character that was just pure murder, um, the Shadow Dancer who was like on the had all the murder weapons and had the banner with the razor. I took the 10-man unit of dancers. Oh, with yeah. So I had all that stuff, and I had to take some Way Watchers. They're awesome. Took a bunch of... Um, Glade guard, bunch of units of five glade guards. They're just you have to because you have to have five hundred points, and they're just re- they're honestly really strong. And I took them with Hagbane because just out the gate, poisonous feels really, really, really good. And spoiler alert, I think it probably is. <laughs> um, so I took that, and then I took what I think is going to end up being the MVP for me overall after playing and rethinking it. I took some of the treekin, and the treekin for me were just like so freaking good. In both games we played, and in my theory testing afterwards, I feel like Treekin are gonna definitely gonna stay in the list. Dan, what did yeah. you uh, what did you have in your list? Man, I wanted to run something that was similar to what I would have played if I played Elves in seventh edition or eighth edition. Um, so I didn't take a BSB, but I had a an Archmage level four on foot with the Silvery Wand, a Dispel Scroll, because I uh, made the mistake of not knowing exactly what that did <laughs> in Old World. Oh yeah, um, it's a lot worse. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I took a prince. I took a prince on a Frostheart Phoenix um, with the Reaver Bow, Dragon Helm, full plate, armor, shield, all that good stuff, and a lance. He didn't get into combat as much as I would like him to until about turn five. He did, however, run around with the Reaver Bow, doing a lot of really, really bad things with that uh, miniature bolt thrower as it is. At, yeah, he was uh, BS7. <laughs> yeah, he felt strong, definitely. Oh, yeah. 
Um, for core, I add 20 Sea Guard, three units of five Illyrian Reavers, 19 Swordmasters, 20 Phoenix Guard, and two Eagle Claw Bolt Rowers. I did. I did want to mention that I put. Uh, I had a level two caster on my list and a level four caster, and it felt bad. I'm just kind of, <laughs> it did not feel good to have those two casters in that list. I think. I think the way you did it with one level four is, is feels feels a lot feels a lot better. Man, I, I think there's a lot to uh, having one caster. One of the really interesting things about this new game is the dispel ranges. The spell really, ranges. Really got one board wide dispel everything else is based on 24 or 18 and you also have the the problem with um you know the mindset of old fantasy where you have a pool of dice and you just don't need that so yeah. you don't necessarily need more casters to generate more like if you're going to take a small caster you have to have a purpose for them they have to have some reason they're in the list to do like one specific thing and it if it fails it fails kind of thing you know oh yeah no i I think in the the first couple of turns that we played, I let a few spells go that I uh, definitely shouldn't have. Just being stuck in that set dice pool mindset. Yeah, that that's where I was. I was just confused about all of it too. Um, I feel like the big problem I had game one we played. I took Battle Magic game one on my level four, and it is just worlds worse than at least in our in my opinion on a rookie first time playing. It felt a lot worse than just taking High Magic because. Um, that spell, what's it called? What's the one that does fire convocation? Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, a little f- foreshadowing to later on this, this game. Uh, fire convocation is so strong. Yeah, that's, the, but yeah, that's, I had battle magic on him and I had my, um, I took, I took high magic actually on level two and I took the dispel thing, which I just did not think was worth it. Um, but let's, let's kind of just jump into the game here. Um, so we deployed, we did the long board, we did what, six six objectives, is that what we had out there? No, we didn't have any objectives at all, this was a straight pitch battle. Dude, I haven't been playing too many games, you are, it was straight pitch battle, you are correct. <laughs> um, so we, we had it out there, and I believe that I deployed first. You deployed first, um, and ended up winning the roll-off. And then winning the roll-off. Big bad sixes out there. So when you look when you look across the board, where I, we basically had a hill on either side, we had two forests kind of on the edge, and then we had a, a small building in the central, uh, kind of off skew, uh, kind of skewed to the side. Then we had a building off towards Dan's side as well. Um, the goal I basically looked in the rule book, and we we replicated what the rule book layout was for a typical battle. So it's just a starting point for just kind of figure it out. I'm sure we'll get more competitive layouts as the game kind of progresses, but that's kind of where we were. Um, yeah, we'll move into water features eventually. <laughs> Not yeah, right no, water features will definitely be. I think there are some actually listed in the in the BSB, um, but I didn't have any. I didn't want to deal with it, so we didn't put any. We made. I think we put buildings instead of that. Okay. Um, so basically, I'll just give you a, over a bird's eye view of how I deployed. I put. I had 30, 35 archers, and I put them in various forms of in the forest with vanguard versus on the hill where they could see just kind of over the forest and do some shots. And then, I, and then in the center of the board, I had my um, treekin sitting there kind of anchoring the whole board. I had my um, I had a big block of scouts that had my um, my two characters and my BSB and my mage. And then I had my way watchers, my way watcher character and my uh, war dancers on the far left with the four in the forest over there. And then I took my big free forest and I put it dead center in front of me. 
just so I have some force to get into. My uh, BSB had the relic that let him have a four plus ward if he's within six of it. So my goal for this game was basically get in the center, let that guy have his four plus ward, um, kind of do some shenanigans where I where I go forward, I run, I, I bait you in, and I kind of nickel and dime you, and then I hit you with my tree can and my ward dancers from the flank. And um, didn't quite go that way, but that was kind of the thought in game one. Dan, what was your deployment like? Man, I started off um, denying flank a little bit. I wanted to get as far away from your hill as humanly possible. Um, so my big Frostheart Phoenix back corner of the board on the opposite end. I spaced out some Reavers to give you uh, something to focus on that wasn't the big blocks that I needed to sustain their numbers to get to combat with. Um, two bolt throwers on my hill with a unit of Reavers in front of that to make sure they weren't getting shot off the board turn one. Um, with Swordmasters and Phoenix Guard flanking on either side. Yeah. So so I had to turn one, and my thought going in seeing Dan's board over there is I took the exact bait of what he said, and I said, I got to kill all those Reavers because I don't want them doing move blocking. I don't want them getting positions with flanks, and they're, they're easy targets, five minutes. I could probably pick up uh, a unit or two a turn with all my shooting. So that's what I did. I think I killed a unit and a half on my first turn of shooting. Oh, yeah. I think that's where I was, and um, so I, I kind of put some stuff forward. Big problem I think I had early on is I didn't set tempo with my five-man, so I kind of pulled them back and said, hey, come at me. Let me see how much I can kill before you get to me, and it's not enough for those listening. I don't think it'll be enough. I, I don't think it'll ever be enough, so I think what you have to do with those guys is more create tempo, push the board, kind of um, make them fight you on the side, get those little five mans out there running, fleeing and firing all that. So putting on the back edge is a huge pitfall for this army. I would not do it, but that, that's where, that's where I was game one with this. Mm-hmm. Dan, what did man, you do to respond? Man, I was really, really shocked at uh, how specifically delicate mounted units are without that plus one for horses. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a huge difference. Um, how do you get the barding now, by the way? Uh, certain, certain units can get it. Uh, yeah, d- definitely not Reavers. Um, yeah. Turns out the six plus for wide armor is uh, not very effective, as we found out. Oh, yeah, I deleted terrible. that unit in front of my bolt throwers, so they were out of out of bounds, essentially. Uh, my turn one was moving forward with my Reaver units, um, taking some pot shots into those units that were on top of your hill, uh, one of them that had moved up a little bit closer to a wood, and then slowly creeping forward with my main blocks. Um, now, you, in turn one, you didn't cast magic that horrible magic fire spell on me yet, did you? Was that turn two? I uh, sure did. Oh, you cast it turn one. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So getting to that a little bit, that was terrible. Yeah. So after moving up a little bit, um, I learned how cool this thing called fiery convocation is. Yeah. And how it really doesn't care about uh, skirmish or scout or especially toughness three. Oh yeah, it was um, awful. I put that over a unit of way watchers or way stalkers. Um, it was way watchers. Yeah, it was it was way watchers. My way stalker and my war dancers. Yeah, war dancers with the character too. Um, five inch template ended it up scattering perfect to hit pretty much every model involved. <laughs> with a few on the outsides, it it was devastating. Um, I took a lot of your combat effectiveness away in that one swoop. I panicked. I panicked after that. I really did because um, it's hard to know what that unit can do. It's hard to know how it can survive. And I think instead of being like, hey, I'm pushing this last remaining guys forward, I was like, I'm running away because that's what you do in 40K, right? 
when you lose when you lose most of a unit, you're like, I want to put these guys somewhere, tuck them away, score some objectives later. Not the case in this game. That was a huge mistake. I, I think you can make a case for point denial, but at that point, you were still above half unit strength. I think you could have pushed forward and uh, done some damage, possibly even killed my level four. Oh yeah, I think it was a huge, a huge mistake because I went backwards and then, uh, spoiler, he hit me again with it and it was as bad the second time. So yeah, um, yeah, don't don't love that spell. Um, I think I do love it taking it because we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, so he absolutely wrecked the left side of my board. Lost most of my war dancers. Lost a big chunk of my way way watchers. I think my shadow dancer and my way stalker both took a wound. So yeah, not great. Yeah, man. I got fiery communication off on a 15. There wasn't much you could do about that. I ended up killing two Way Watchers and six of the War Dancers. From oh, six. Here. oh, my gosh. That's brutal. Yeah, it's, I had 10. So, yeah, yeah. You killed almost the whole unit. Yeah. Oh, and the Way Stalkers panicked as well. Oh, yeah. They, was, they panicked. They ran and they, yep. So I panicked and I had no reroll near me because I'm a dunce. So, yeah, that's, that's where we were. Man, other than that, I, I got Drain Magic off. Um, I got Shield of Safri off on the Phoenix Guard just to bump up their numbers because it looked like they were going to be your next target. You were trying to soften them up pretty good. So yep. that the, um, the tree, the tree can could go into them and do some real damage. I thought that, um, what's the name of that spell? The spell magic. Is that the name of it? Um, drain magic. Drain magic's bad. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something here, but it is to not feel very effective strictly because there's no penalty for the other player to dispel it at the start of the turn. No, I, I think it's one of those things that it's it's really bad if you don't get it dispelled. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a binary. If if they dispel it, it doesn't mean anything. But if they don't, it could be pretty catastrophic, especially if you're only working with a level two. There are just so many good spells in high magic, like so many. Like the whole freaking lore is incredible, and that spell's okay. So it's like, man, I just I don't know I don't know when I defaulted that, you know? Like, and also you can take the lore familiar, which. I don't think either of us did this game, but it's really good. So, I mean, you could just be like, all right, level four, high magic, more familiar. I'm never taking the spell magic. Like, you know, like, yeah, no, I think uh, you took, you actually had the lore familiar for this game. If I remember right. I did. You're right. And I took, I took my battle magic guy and battle magic was, it was good, but it wasn't high magic. I'll tell you that. No, I'm a big fan of the high magic. I'm a big fan of the illusion magic. Those are the two big standouts for me right now. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really, and for those listening, we haven't played a bunch of other armies yet. We kind of played mostly elves because we had another player kind of jump in and play with us too on high elves. So we haven't done a lot of play testing. This is really just get the rules down kind of thing. So I'm sure there's a lot of good combos out there. And um, if you know of any, post it in the comments there because that'd be cool to kind of have us check it out and look. Um, mm-hmm. But so the game, so from that point on, like I, I lost my left flank. So in my next turn, my goal was still pretty similar because I was fairly confident that that unit of Treekin could sit there and hold up a little bit. So I kept my, kept true to my word and I turned this shot through and, and started taking out some more of his on his right flank. I started taking out more of his reavers with my, I had 15 archers to the right side. I took out more of those. And then I started kind of softening up the middle a little bit and then moving up my Treekin to try to absorb a blow. Oh Yeah. Yeah, you ended up taking down a few of the Phoenix Guard. Uh, I think three or four that that turn as well. Um, but that was about it. it I think was more, I got, uh, that was a turn. The one good spell that I thought was really strong for Battle Magic was the one that lets you reroll ones. That's just so good with poison arrows. Yeah. Like it felt it felt really strong when I, I got it off once. I think. 
And that one turn I got it off, I really, I really put a chunk into the Phoenix guard just because I mean, you, you just, it's, it's on a unit. So you can literally, it's 35 shots all re-rolling once, which is strong. If you didn't know, that's, that's real good, but turns out, yeah, yeah it turns out that's good. But so I, battle magic has its place. I would say high, high magic has some really offensive powerhouse spells, but high battle does have some things. Maybe I take a level two on, but a level four on it felt, felt a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I did. I also took the I took the uh, Wood Elf specials. I took the teleporting one, which I never got off because I just could not cast that spell to save my life. And same thing with the one where I create a forest. I had that one on one of my guys. Never got it off the whole game. Mm-hmm. Now into my turn two, I got um, Fury of Cain and Shield of Safari on the Phoenix Guard again. They ended up failing their charge and got into perfect position to. Uh, <laughs> Get messed up pretty good this next turn. Um, ended up dropping some more movement around the table. The uh, Frostheart started coming around. His shooting wasn't very effective this turn. Um, but the, uh, the fiery, fiery Convocation again ended up finishing off the majority of the rest of the, the way Watchers and Blades with all the doors in to finish off the left. Yeah, I don't think I had anything left after turn two. And that was a lesson learned. Like, do not leave them on an island. That was so stupid. Like, I would uh, I would definitely bring them in a little tighter. What I would do in, in replacement is, I would, for one, I would deny that spell. I would, I would find a way to keep the guys out of the distance. But I would probably put more, like, scouts or, like, a Glade Guard unit out there just to kind of harass instead of putting a, you know, 300-point unit out there just to kind of derp around. Oh, yeah. Then uh, we get into your turn three. Now this gonna, time, I charge you. I charge your Phoenix Guard with my uh, Treekin. Oh no, no, we're still not in combat here yet. You were uh, you were doing some shooting here. Um, <laughs> the biggest note that I've got on this for turn three is Blake spikes nine of sixteen poisonous shots on the Phoenix Guard. That and drops the them down to uh, to nine guys. That was the turn. I remember that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things and. And I was talking about this with uh, one of our other players earlier today, actually. I think that the math, if you're going to take the the Glade Guard, I've seen some people kind of mix and match. I think you almost have to go full hags, Hagbane, Arrow. If you're going to go Poison, go Poison. Because the math the math changes quite a bit if you try to do something cute like Vanguard up with the, um, the one that lets you shoot at point blank and not take the penalty. I mean, that's good. And I think there's that might be the better list. I don't know. But the volume, the pure volume of poison to me was just like it was a way to go for sure. It was because you're you're you live and die by it, you know. And if you don't have that volume, then you don't have the number the dice rolls to kind of support it. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Going back to turn two, I did leave something out. The swordmasters charged into the tree ken. So we were stuck in on, they were stuck in on turn two. Yeah. Um which brutal combat, it swung both ways. It was pretty uh, pretty much the same level of depletion. I would end up doing four or five wounds. You would end up doing uh, five wounds. Uh, combat was pretty static. Stubborn hip helped you uh, stick around for long enough. Uh, yeah, I did the thing some, where I went uh, backwards two inches and just, uh, yeah, and stood there facing you on. Mm-hmm. That's right. But the Trekkin are tough. They definitely, the, the problem I saw with them is they don't have much combat resolution. So, they're stubborn, so that's good, but you almost have to have support with them because they're not going to sit there and just be like, we're going to win combat resolution off of attacks because they, they can take a hit back for sure. Oh, yeah. No, I think if you can powder those with a flank attack as well, 
it'd be fantastic. Um, one of those flying BSPs or whatnot that we've played around with later on, I yeah. think combined with Treecan was very, very effective. Yeah. So where, where do we end up, Dan? Kind of, kind of walk me through the last couple of turns here. We can kind of do a little fast forward here. Then we'll talk about uh, what we, what we think and what we're going to do moving forward. Man, things started getting heavy um, with the Phoenix card going into your, uh, your archers and um, my Prince on the frost heart sliding into the flank there as well. Um, we fought it out for a turn. Some rolls didn't go the way they probably could have. And then we ended up calling it at the uh, bottom of uh, four. Yeah, I was pretty decimated at that point. Um, there was a, with this Phoenix Phoenix coming in and having like pretty much not touched him at all with my, I think I had 500 points that were lost on left flank. So it was, I was pretty well toasty uh, when it was done. And my, and my, I think my tree can were down to two dudes when we called it. So it was, it was, a, it was originally a block of six. So, I mean, I was, I was really hurting when it got down to it. Um, oh, yeah. A couple of take homes I had from that. And we actually turned right around and I played another high off player pretty much immediately after. And I readjusted my list and I took a, I took a BSB on, um, on an Eagle, which I thought was really strong in the list. He kind of did some support stuff, kind of hit the flanks. Um, I ended up winning that game, uh, of the second one. And I think it, a lot of it had to do with the mobility I added in. I took a level four on an Eagle, which I thought was the much better way to go. Give them the mobility they needed. I gave them the, the ward saves. So they could kind of fly around to do their thing. Um, I thought the tree king were phenomenal in both games. Uh, second game, especially they just did so much work uh, grinding through stuff. Um, the Hagbane, Hagbane, um, Glade Gardner is so good, like ridiculously good. I thought Weight Watchers were kind of bad. I know I've seen people play them. I thought they're kind of overpriced for what they do. You don't really need their high BSB when you're taking Hagsbane. If you're playing another build, maybe, but I thought their high BSB was basically, or their high BS was pretty much wasted because of the Hagbane. You don't really need it. Um, and they have they have some tricks where you can kind of run and things like that. But I, if you're going to play a very evasive list that doesn't revolve around Hagbang, they're probably really good. Um, yeah, that, those are kind of my big points. I think. Oh, I also took tree. I took tree, two treemen in my second game. I thought treemen were okay. I, yeah, was, I think uh, they were a fun choice for sure. Um, I don't like them actually. I in, in so they did good in that game. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, they did fine. Um, my new list, my final list, and then I'll let you jump over to what you're planning on doing. My final list, and this is all theory craft. Me and Dan are actually going to play it this weekend and hammer it out a little bit. But uh, I'm taking like a 600 point dragon lord, and uh, <laughs> and and I tell you that I, I kidded him out. I did the math. I was like, this guy is freaking crazy, and I was like thinking about the stuff. And then I went on like goon hammer, and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, that's what everyone's doing. Apparently, I missed a memo on that. So uh, it's all over the internet. You can find this exact build I'm doing, but you can make this guy freaking ridiculous. Like he's he has like. Uh, I think nine wounds. He's T six. He has like a bazillion attacks and he has like killing blow and like AP two and minus one to hit in combat. It's just, it's just like bonkers thing. You can do with this guy. It causes terror and it makes you like minus two leadership. Like, Oh yeah. It's, he's nuts. Like uh, I, I'm going to take him. I'm going to take a, I'm actually debating taking a level four on a steed with like a couple of like kind of sort of like the sort of might and a couple other things to make it a little bit killy. So that way I'm going to put it in with some of the, um, what are the guys called with the big spears, hunting spears, Wildwood Riders? Oh, the Wild Riders, yeah, yeah. man, so I'm they're gonna, a blender. I'm gonna take a unit of nine of those with the with the with my level four in it and see what happens. I think that might be kind of interesting. Make it a little, <laughs> give it some survivability, give it a little bit of a punch, so she actually hits a little bit. Um, I'm gonna take two eagles. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my glade guard. That was the, probably the only thing I'm keeping from my original test game is the 35 glade guard with Hagbane. They're just too good. 
they have to stay. That plus a Trekin. You have five Trekin, and that's uh, Trekin and Glade Guard were kind of my big wieners from our playtest games early on. Oh, yeah. Man, for my next run, it's going to be very similar. It's just closer to what I would have ran in uh, 7th edition than 8th edition. Um, First of all, are you still still going to do high elves is the question. Man, I don't trust myself uh, finishing assembly on my other projects, unfortunately. We've got a 40k GT coming up at the end of February that I've got to build uh, another three vehicles and paint about 55 models for. So all of my hobby time is going to go into that. I don't even know what you're playing, but I like it. I'm I'm here for it. Oh, Votan. Space Force. Oh, oh, dude, yeah. We're, we're going to play. We're gonna, I'll see you at the bottom tables. We're going <laughs> to... That's going to be great. Okay. Uh, tell me a little bit about your high elf, though. Um, yeah, so I switched up to Prince. He's just on a, um, on a steed, Blood of Kalidor, Ruby Room, Ruin, Dragon Helm, all that good stuff with a lance. Um, level 4 Mage again with um, Loremaster. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited what's, to see... Uh, what's Loremaster do? Basically, you, you pick a set number of spells. So you're level, uh, you're level two. Oh, okay. And does another question I have the Ruby Ring? I've seen a lot of people do that. Is it good? Like, because it's a, it's a level one caster, right? Or level zero? It's uh, it's a bounce spell. So you're getting it off on a three. It's being stopped on a three. But if you're working outside of the spell range, it can be pretty good. So you're you're using this guy kind of as is it your BSP or is it just kind of a dude? Uh, it's a prince. So it's a, oh, it's a prince. Kind of, so is he kind of just operating solo out there with the ruby ring? No, no. He's going to be in a, a pretty thick squad of dragon princes. That's another thing. They've got the um, the rampaging standard to really get in and do some damage. Oh, yeah. I took that on my on my wild riders. They're going to have the rampaging standard, too. That's the one that lets you re-roll the charges, right? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's strong. But I've got two units of elven archers, two units of elven spearmen, one unit of reavers, a 10-man unit of phoenix guard, two great eagles, Frostheart Phoenix, and then uh, three Eagle Claw Bolt Throwers. We're going to have a fun game this weekend. We need to get a couple people out there. I'm, I'm, my, our lists are actually, we, we kind of landed weirdly in the exact same place, which is funny. We didn't, we didn't even talk about this, but we landed in the same spot where we both have a giant Killy character, a giant Killy block of mount, mounted dudes, two Eagles, and then like some shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's almost identical what we've run here. But, oh yeah, and this may change uh, throughout the week. We'll see. I, but I may, I may show up with Beastmen. You never know. My other army for what what I'll be test playing a lot of moving forward is Beastmen. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's exciting times, man. It's good to be back in the old world, and um, we'll kind of see where we go with it. Yeah, man. I think it's only going to be fun um, up and up from here, especially once some of the old guard get, start getting back into it. People that aren't happy with 40k as it is right now, looking into the game. Yeah, I think that uh, you're going to get a you're going to get an interesting mix because you have the AOS players who, you know that that's a that's an interesting um, a group because they a lot of more 40k players who decided they wanted to play fantasy and they're like this game's a lot like 40k now so they jumped over. You have some old old blood like Warhammer fantasy players who went into it, and then you have players who just got into the game. This is AOS. I know nothing else. I'm in the game now, you know, so it's kind of, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens with AOS. I think it's a strong game that'll keep a huge chunk of its people. I'm wondering if they don't lose some of their players to old world, or if, you know, people don't bounce between that and AOS and kind of do both. But I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to see what happens with it. And I think you make a good point as far as both games being vastly different. And there's no reason that people couldn't play both. 
I'll play, I'll, I don't play AOS, but I'll be playing 40K. I'll be playing Old World, Kill Team. Um, if you haven't played Underworlds, like, absolutely ridiculously fun game. I highly recommend everyone go pick up at least a starter box of Underworlds and play a game because it's good. Man, it looks like a lot of fun. And those models are gorgeous. Dude, and the beautiful thing about if you're getting into the old world, the beautiful thing about getting into like something like Underworlds is every single one of those models are like basically character quality for your army. So let's say you go and you buy a Beastman army and you want like a new like uh Bestigore champion or you want like a Beast Lord, you go buy like the Felgors or whatever they're called. I don't remember I don't remember the name of the box, but there's like a box of like five dudes and they're all freaking phenomenal. There's like an uncore character in there and like and the same thing with like any faction. Like all the factions have their own independent like characters and stuff. And it's pretty good. And there's like I think there's like 30 boxes now, dudes. That's pretty yeah. cool, man. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big hype guy for Underworlds. I, I got into it at Depticon last year and it was just like one of the most fun games I've played. So um all right, so moving forward, how this will be working for those listening, we're going to be bringing on, once we start seeing big events kind of form, probably Adepticon, I imagine will be our first one where we really see some big numbers coming out. Um, once we start seeing big events come out, we're going to be bringing on top players from those events. We're going to be interviewing them, and we're going to kind of break down a lot of what they're doing, ask them questions about why they make decisions and their list and gameplay in general. And we're going to try to learn together, you know, why they won and why they lost what makes a faction tick. And um, if you haven't heard of our other show, we had, we had the same concept of 40 K for two years called the art of war unbroken. So similar to that, I'm excited to do it. I hope you enjoy it, but check out our sponsor Goonhammer, goonhammer.com. You all know and love it. And thanks for listening. Dan, you got any last words? No, that's it for me, man. I can't wait to play you this next week. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll see you guys next month. Later.